Not a whole lot of football fans here, so the uh, the focus of Super Bowl Sunday hasn't ever really been watching football. Um, and so when I say it's a special Sunday for us, um, that's not why. <laughs> um, and if that that was the reason, it, it, that's really not that big of a deal. Um, but um, it's a special Sunday for us because. Um, God was just reminding me what he's done in the life of our church um, throughout the years. And um, I'm going to feel a little bit old as I tell you. Um, I remember the days. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there was a special moment for this church that happened um, back in 2012. And, and I can remember exactly what year it was, partly because of who was playing in the Super Bowl that year. Um, one of the teams was the Patriots. Big surprise. They're, they're in the Super Bowl like every year somehow. Um, and um, the Giants. And the Giants beat the Patriots, in case you're wondering, which was just awesome. Um, <laughs> and I don't even like the Giants. But anyway, I was probably the only person watching the game that night because that's our, our church community. Everybody else was hanging out, having a good time. So I'm watching the game, and it's getting good because the Giants are winning and eventually win. And, um, and I, I rushed into the kitchen where we were hosting the party, and everybody's super serious. So I didn't feel like it was a great time to tell everybody what the score was and the outcome of the game. But I'm also a little concerned now because <laughs> Like, this is a Super Bowl party. Why is everybody so serious? And we, we were, we're not really that type of people to be, you know, we don't have, have fun. We don't have a good time. Um, but what I missed, what was happening while I was watching the game, you know, the pastor being really spiritual watching football, everybody else was um, in the middle of actually something that God was doing in, in moving our community. And, and I'll, I'll explain that. Um, a little context. At the time, we were really struggling. And when I say we were struggling, um, to put that in context, we were even talking about whether we should continue to exist as a church. Um, and it was really questions of, of are we filling, fulfilling our purpose um, that we started with? Um, do the people who are part of this community really want to be a church even? Um, there was a lot of interpersonal just um, conflict and, and uh, we, we just were stuck. We were stuck as a, as a, as a church family. And um, for me, as someone who was really invested in and been a part of the church since the beginning, it was, um, it was hard to see. Um, but it was even harder because I didn't know what to do about it. And, um, and I had a lot of questions. And I, my questions were, were similar to those. Should we even be continuing to do this? And um, that night was like a sign, if you will. And it wasn't a sign because the Giants beat the Patriots. It was a sign because in the middle of a, a Super Bowl party... Um, Prayer broke out. And, you know, as someone who was 
felt responsible for helping lead our church into um, spiritual activity, if you will. I had nothing to do with it, so that was almost more encouraging for me, you know? Um, it's like when the pastor goes out of town and then something great happens and it, it comes back and the church is like, it was amazing, God moved. And the pastor's like, maybe I should leave town more often, you know? It was kind of like that. <laughs> um, but for having felt like we were missing that, to seeing it show up in the Super Bowl party of all places, like I joke about this idea that I feel like we might have been the first spontaneous prayer meeting that ever happened at a church Super Bowl party. I don't know. Maybe there's other stories, but it was the first one I had been a part of. Um, but it really came from this place of people realizing just how desperate we were and just how much we needed God and just how stuck we were in the fact that we couldn't get out of that on our own. And I kind of describe it like it was like a giant knot that you don't even know where to start to untangle it. Um, but God did. And, and I share that story because um, the, the thing that I took away then that I feel like is, continues to be relevant for us as a church family is just this idea that what I realized that night and what God spoke to me loud and clear just through that event was that he wasn't done with us. He wasn't done with us individually. He wasn't done with us together as a church community. And, um, and that night was a sign of that. God saying, I'm not done with you and I'm, I'm still in your midst and I, I'm still interested in connecting with you and I'm still interested in, in, in my spirit moving in a way that stirs your hearts. Um, and we need that. If we, don't, if we don't know that, if that's not um, front and center for us, this truth that God isn't done with us, then we're in trouble in some way. And I, I think it's, it, it may not be that it's not true, but it may be that we just have forgotten it or we're not aware of it. We don't feel like it's true. So I just want to remind us tonight, as I felt like God reminded me, that he's not done with us. Individually, he's not done with you. Like, like the best days aren't behind you, just so you know. And if you'll let him, God will take whatever's going on in your life and he'll do something redemptive with it. He'll do something good with it. In fact, even sometimes when you won't let him or when you're not expecting it or you haven't made plans for it, he'll interrupt in, in a beautiful and um, sweet way to, to let you know that he's still there. That's what he did that night. And um, we were just like, God, we need you. And so prayer was the natural overflow of that. And we, we prayed for each other and we, we prayed for this community and we we prayed for the, the hurt and the brokenness that was in our midst and that we needed God to, to begin to heal and intervene. And, and um, it took a lot for that to, that, 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 um, that big tangle to begin to unravel. But God over time, slowly in his faithfulness, did that. And... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, I just, I just think that's a testimony that we need to hear, and maybe it's on a, on a personal level, um, maybe it's uh, together for us as a family, just that God is 
here and he's in our midst and he's got amazing things in store um, for us together. And, and, and some of those things uh, we don't even know about yet. There's surprises on the horizon in him. And so I just want to pray into that tonight um, for, for us as individuals and for us together as a, a community. So God, we thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you that um, just as you say in your word that you're the one that, that establishes your church. And God, I thank you that um, this family, this community, it wasn't, it wasn't our idea, it was yours. And I thank you just as surely as that's true that um, God, you have sustained us. And it hasn't always been easy in it. And it hasn't always um, looked the way we wanted it to, God. But you've been there every step of the way. And God, I just feel like we need to be reminded of that tonight. Of your faithfulness. And God, I want to pray for anyone in this room that God, that needs an interruption from you. That needs a surprise from you. That, that needs something better than the the things that we currently have to look forward to. God, I want to pray um, that you would intervene in a beautiful way to reveal that you're with us, to reveal that you haven't left us, to reveal that you haven't forgotten us, to reveal that you love us, and to reveal that if, if we let you, God, you will move in a, in a way that, that brings about what we can't. And God, my prayer is that for each one of us, we would find ourselves, um, um, God, in the place of your grace that, that allows us to recognize our need. That in fact, if we're feeling desperate, that that, that actually is um, a place that can allow you to do what only you can do. And so I pray for any desperate hearts tonight that they would realize that God, you want to meet them in the desperation. And that it's okay to need. We were created. We were created to need. We were created to need you and to need others. So God, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, we bless your name tonight. And tonight we're going to celebrate. <laughs> we're going to celebrate because of your faithfulness. And we're going to celebrate God believing and knowing it's true that the best is yet to come in you. The best is yet to come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Wow. It's weird looking up and it's just past five o'clock. And I've already finished with my first sermon. Got time for a little bit more? You guys all right with that? Right, let me get my Bible. I'm kind of tethered over here. Um, a couple other things, or maybe just one thing while I'm thinking about it. Um, we've got some... Awesome family in town. <laughs> and there's only one of them here to embarrass. So at some point you should say hi to Abigail. She is my sister-in-law. 
Um, my youngest brother, Jeremiah, and his wife and their two kids are for an extended visit to Baltimore. So they're going to be with us for the next two months. So pray for us, <laughs> all of us, that we can continue to enjoy each other's company as much as we normally do. Um, we've never done something like this before. We cleared out our basement, fixed it up, and just in time for them to get here. Um, and I, I believe that God has some really awesome things for them in this season. Um, and, uh, and, and I believe that this is a part of that. And so um, if you see someone that kind of looks like me and definitely sounds like me, don't freak out. It's my brother, <laughs> Jeremiah. Give him a hug. <laughs> Tell him you pray for him, okay? Um, all right, I, this is going to be um, it's going to be pretty pretty simple tonight. Um, if you haven't been here the last two weeks, uh, we started a new series in the Book of Romans. Um, so, if you want to turn to the Book of Romans, you can go there with me. Otherwise, we'll have it on the screen. Um, and I guess before I read what I'm going to read tonight, just a preface: um, if you if you need to catch up on on, on where we're at already, um, I would encourage you to, to go on our website and listen to the last two weeks. Um, we're going to be kind of spending some time over the course of this year um, getting through as much, hopefully, the whole book. Um, if, you, if you've ever tried to read the book of Romans or have read the book of Romans, you notice it's a little bit long. Um, Paul like, really likes run-on sentences. Um, that too, um, which is kind of how you know he's a preacher. Um, so we're going to break it up. We're going to take some time. We've never gone through the book of Romans, partly because it's a little intimidating and it's definitely long. And um, so I just felt like God was saying this is an opportunity for us to do this this year and to kind of uh, space it out over the course of this year. And um, so we're going to do that. Um, if you missed the past two weeks, uh, I started with an introduction, mainly talking about the uh, subject of righteousness. And what, is, what does that word mean? Um, is it relevant for us today? Um, how do we understand it in the context of our world? Is, is righteousness relevant for the world that we live in? And what I said is I really believe that it is in fact something that our whole world is interested in in some way, whether we call it righteousness or not. And, and I talked about this thing called a righteous reality. And it's this idea that um, the world is longing to see a place, um, an environment, a, a neighborhood, a community, a family, um, where righteousness is having its way. The world is longing to see a righteous reality in our cities, uh, which, which uh, means we're, we're longing for a, a place, a city where, um, where sin isn't ruling and reigning and having its way, but where um, people are in harmony, where love is actually residing and abiding, and, and where people um, are are loving each other and where families are loving each other and where people understand um, why they were made. Um, 
That's a righteous reality. And I believe if you look around us right now and you look at the state of our world and you look at um, current events and you look at um, what people are saying and what people are longing for, what you hear is that people want that. The world wants that. In fact, I think it's because we were made for it. We were made uh, for love. We were made for wholeness. We were made for um, harmony. We were made to, to exist in a way that brokenness didn't just have its way. And so whether we are following God or not, whether we um, are desiring his definition of righteousness or not, I believe it's actually ingrained in us as humanity to want those things. Um, and we, and we, we don't want to suffer. We, we don't want the pain that comes from a world that is broken. I don't think anybody wants that. And in fact, we often are, um, even those that don't believe in God, um, will, will look to him and ask, why would you let these things happen? Right? And that might be the extent of their conversation with him. And I think, again, it points to this idea that we are longing as a humanity for a righteous reality. And so I believe in that way, uh, Romans has a lot to offer us in terms of speaking into the world as it is. Um, not just to us as individuals and in our, our own um, journey of learning what it means to live well and live in harmony with the people around us and with God but as a community, as a city, and as a world. Um, and so we talked a little bit about even what is righteousness. Um, and I said last week that fundamentally righteousness is not actually defined by rules. It's defined by relationship. And um, I'm not going to unpack that a whole lot more than that, but again, go back and listen to that message, but I think what we see is that even in the beginning, the way God created humanity in the garden, um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a reality that was defined by rules. There was actually only one rule, and that rule was there to protect relationship. And in fact, the priority was on relationship. And so in that way, righteousness has to do with relationship as it's meant to be. Like us relating to each other as God intended. Us related, relating first and foremost to our creator as he intended. Okay? Um, to, tonight, um, I'm not going to get too far into this or too deep into this, but um, if we're going to start reading Romans, I figure we should finally jump into it. So... <laughs> We're going to start in Romans 1 from the beginning and the introduction here. And I just want to offer a few observations more than anything else. Um, as, as, as Paul opens this letter to the Romans. So go ahead and um, follow along. Romans 1. I'm going to read verse 1 through 7. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed 
the Son of God in power, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So um, a lot of times when we read these letters, we can read the introduction as an extended hello. (laughs) So we, we read the first part and get to the grace and peace and okay now we can get to the content and um, what I want to say is I think um, in fact this this first portion is a lot more intentional than that and there's there's a lot more here than just um, the formalities of of you know this introduction and grace and peace and love and Jesus and God and you know all the things that should be there um, when you say hi to some people you haven't talked to in a while. Um, I think, in fact, what we see in this introduction is a very intentional um, kind of preparation uh, for what he's going to go in more depth in through the entire letter. And um, not only that, but I think if we think about this um, as not just a hello, but as a greeting that includes a reminder of what brings them together. Um, A greeting that includes a reminder of the thing that unites them, the thing that brings these people and Paul together as one. Um, It's the gospel. Um, And there's a few things here I just want to point out. And um, the first is just this idea of being called. And in in just seven verses, in just this short paragraph, um, Paul says the word called one, two, three or four times. I I wrote it down somewhere. I don't have my notes. um, You can help me out. Someone wants to count. Nathan's good at counting. Three times. Three times in in seven... Ah! Ah! That just proves my point even more, Nathan. Four times in seven lines, Paul says, call. And it's interesting because I think it kind of gives us a uh, perhaps fuller understanding of what it means to be called than um, we've kind of turned it into. Oh, sure. That's my notes right there. Thank you. I might not open the book, so don't be offended. <laughs> um, I think this thing that he mentions being called, um, it, it perhaps looks and uh, sounds differently than we tend to think. Just listen to what he says, and it's a few different ways here. He says, first about himself, he says, called to be an apostle. And set apart for the gospel. Then he says. Also you 
are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So Paul says he's been called by God to be an apostle. And maybe that fits a little bit more with what we tend to think of when we talk about calling or, I, I don't know, like as someone that kind of um, has journeyed as uh, into leadership in, in a church as a pastor, um, you know, I remember having to answer questions like, when was your call? When was your call? And if you can't answer that, then you, you might not... Um, you might, you might be getting shut down uh, for uh, whatever it is. You know, if you want to be a pastor, then you better have a call, brother. And what Paul says is that he was called to be an apostle. So I think there is definitely something along those lines where, where God speaks into a person's life and calls into something that perhaps a role that, that they would have never planned for themselves. And I can attest to that. But it doesn't, it wasn't like, hello, Jesus, is that you? <laughs> For real? You want me to pass in the white church? Okay. It wasn't like that. In fact, I, I can't really tell you, um, it wasn't a moment, but it, it was probably moments where God spoke into my life and said, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you into this. Um, I'm calling you into this even though you, you might be afraid of it. I'm calling you into this even though um, you didn't want it necessarily. Um, even though you don't, don't know what it's going to look like, I'm calling you into this. And God does that. Um, but then there's another aspect of this call that I think is, in fact, more important and more primary that, that Paul gets to here. And, and, and it's, I think it's one that we all need to hear. And we all need to be reminding each other of, and so I think it's very intentional that Paul puts this um, in his introduction, his greeting to the church at Rome. And he says, um, to all of you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So that would include Paul, and that would include the church in Rome, it would include um, way more people than that. And I think it's this actually fundamental identity and it's this fundamental um, introduction to relationship with God where, whereby God himself has called you to himself, has called you to himself, has called you to know him, has, has spoken to you, has reached out to you and you've responded. And in that way, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've been called. So if anybody asks you, have you ever been called? Yes. If you're his, you've been called by him. You didn't just choose him, he called you to himself. And, and, and you responded. And so fundamentally, we're all called. If we are a part of the body of Christ, we've been called. And specifically, we've been called to be his. The call is not primarily a role. The call is a identity. The call is not something we do, but it's, it's who we are. The call is to be, to belong to Jesus. That your life becomes his and his life becomes yours. You belong to him. It's not, I answered the call and I told God all the things that I could do for him. It's not I answered the call and he told me all the things that I could do for him. 
It's, I responded to the call to be his and for him to be mine. And so the call is actually fundamentally not a role or responsibility, but it's an identity of belonging. And so if you're wondering when you're going to get called to do something, um, maybe you should actually shift your focus to being reminded and remembering that you've called to be something. You've been called to someone. You've been called to be Jesus. And one of the most significant and precious things that we can have is not some role or responsibility. It's to know him and for him to know us. And, and in fact, some of us need to be reminded that our identity, our value, our worth isn't in what we do. It's not in the title that we have. I, I know I need that reminder. And so, you know, it's, it's pretty good to not gloss over when Paul says we've been called to belong to Jesus. I think it's a very intentional um, starting point for them where he says, this is who you are. This is who he is for you. This is your identity. And he goes on to, I don't know where the fourth one is, Nathan, but <laughs> great. Oh, wait, not uh, in verse five. I thought you said there are five. And I'm like, we're moving the wrong direction. I can't even find three here. <laughs> yes, okay. I want to look at this one, though, in verse seven. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people again. Called to belong to Christ Jesus, called to be his people. Holy people, called to be a people that are set apart, that look different because you're his. And he says, grace and peace to you. Those, those words are so common in these letters and in the introductions especially that it might just again seem like a formality but I think if we really understand it I think the way Paul understood it you realize I think Paul was was wanting to extend to them the very thing that they would need to live out this life with God so he says grace and peace to you so that you can you can walk out the very thing that you've been called to. Paul, Paul, before that, talks about this grace, and he says this about it in regards to his own life. He says, through him we received grace and apostleship to call all Gentiles the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And Paul's talking about his own life. And he says that he received grace and he received Apostleship, These two things that were vital to the ministry that he did, vital to the work that he did. And this is what I want to say about grace, and then we're going to wrap it up. Um, grace is um, what you need to accomplish what God's called you to. We, we a lot of times think about grace as this thing that covers our inability or covers our sin or or bridges the gap between um, what 
we should do and <laughs> what we aren't doing or are doing. Um, but I think when you look at grace in this context and perhaps a fuller understanding of it, Paul's not talking about it that way. He talks about that he received grace to, um, to reach the Gentiles. He's not talking about something to cover his inability, but he's actually talking about something from God to enable him to do what he was called to do. And so grace for you and grace for me is actually this thing that enables us to live the life that God has for you. To live the life that he's called us to in Jesus. To, to live a life that is set apart and looks different from the life we live without him. That's what grace is meant to do. And so for Paul, it's interesting because if you think about Paul's life, Paul was, was incredibly equipped and prepared to reach the Jews. But God called him to reach the Gentiles. Like Paul's life, his whole life, you would say he was, he was prepared and called just by the things of his life. You could, you could look at the trajectory of his life and say that he was primed to reach the Jews. But God called him to reach the Gentiles. And so I think in that, one of the things that Paul was keenly aware of was that it wasn't the things he was good at that allowed him to accomplish what God called him to. It wasn't his own smarts and abilities that allowed him to accomplish what God called him to. Certainly those things came into play. But what he says is that God gave him grace in order to be able to do it. And if you read Paul's other letters, he, he comes back to that over and over and over again. It was by God's grace that he was able to reach those that he reached. It wasn't his smarts and his preaching. It wasn't his eloquent words. It was God's grace that did it. And so he says, grace and peace be to you. End of the introduction. <laughs> End of the hello. And so I just want to, I want to pray that tonight for us. I want to pray both of those things that we would be even this week and in the future, that God would um, expand our understanding of what his call on our life looks like. And that it wouldn't be just, a, it wouldn't be primarily an assignment, but that it would be primarily an invitation to relationship and depth of intimacy with Him. Let's close our eyes. Yeah, God, we thank You. We thank You that that's what the Gospel is. That's what it is. It's, it's You intervening in such a way that um, You called us to us Yourself and you, you called us to be something with You. And You called us to allow You to be something for us and with us. And Jesus, we thank you that you're the one that has brought that about. And God, I thank you in that way that our worth is fundamentally found in you finding us. Our worth is fundamentally found in who we are to you and who we are in you and who you are to us and who you want to be for us. And so God, um, I pray that 
God, you would bring us back to that. And wherever we've, we've placed our worth in something else, we've placed it in, in our responsibility or a title or something we've done, or, or perhaps we've been feeling the lack of worth um, because we don't see um, anything in our lives that we feel that proud about in terms of our accomplishments, that we would come back to the truth that no matter how much we've done or how little we've done, our worth is found in you. And that, um, God, you've called us and you are calling us. And God, I want to pray tonight for anyone that, that has never heard your call before. But they're in this room and they're listening. And, and I, I just want to suggest that perhaps that is your call. And God, I just pray that they would respond to the call to know you. The call to, to let you in. The call to um, give what they have in exchange for what you have. And that's the best trade we could ever make. And God, I thank you that it's your grace that allows us to walk in what you've called us to. It's your grace that empowers us to live the way that you um, desire us to live. It's your grace that has allowed us to um, step into this thing called righteousness. And so God, I just ask for more, more of your grace. And ask for an awareness, God, of where we need it. Where perhaps we've been trying to do it on our own. God, that we would lean into you instead. We would ask for your grace. We would ask for your Holy Spirit to empower us to do what we can't do on our own. And God, where we've seen victory, where we've seen a difference, God, that we would understand how it's happened in the first place, and God, we would give you the glory. So God, we just say thank you for your grace. And we ask for more of it in our lives so that we can walk in all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, we, um, as part of our worship, we, um, every week we take communion together and it's a reminder for us of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Um, the sacrifice that he gave and, um, and our dependence on that. And so, uh, we're going to take communion tonight before we close in the last song. And uh, when you're ready, you can come and receive the bread and the juice and um, take the bread and dip it in the juice as remembrance of that sacrifice.